You know, I really love those unplanned moments where the Holy Spirit comes and ministers. And I'm just praying that in those moments, as you open yourself to the Lord, that the Lord does something in your heart that you don't need myself or Brett or one of us to for you to interact with God or for God to interact with you. It's in these moments where we draw near and worship that God has this ability to meet with you individually. He knows you. He wants a relationship with you. There's stuff he wants to say to you. He is the God who sees you. And he loves you. And so I'm just praying that in these moments where we just take time from our lives, we come together as a church, we worship God, that the God of the universe is actually interacting with you. And I'm praying that those moments actually change you. Well, uh, we're going to dive into week four here of this series on the church. And as we dive in, we know that the church is not the building. Who is the church? The people. The people are the church. And there's this process that happens that, that Jesus kind of unfolded to make the church. Jesus started off, before he sent the Holy Spirit, he gave a command in Matthew chapter 28. And I know that I said this to start every single sermon for the last four weeks, but you know, it's really good to just continue to remind ourselves and put us back on track with what the main thing is. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, 19, and 20 said to go and... Let's try that one again. I think I had to do that last week too. I was like, I was like they're going to get it this week. They're going to come out and be like, make disciples. And I'm like, yeah. So like, you guys got this, all right? Let's try it again. I'm cheering for you. Here we go. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, 19, and 20, to go and Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Let's go. Go and make disciples. And so Jesus gave the mission to the church that was about to be formed in Acts chapter 2. He gave the marching orders. Then in Acts chapter 2, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, which I just find this so fascinating. Just track with me for a second here. Like, in Acts chapter 2, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, and these disciples who were waiting on God in the upper room, kind of like the upper room we're in, were filled with the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit from the right hand of God, God's people were filled with God's passion and God's power and actually enabled by God to actually go and make disciples. Do you see that? You see that progression? God knows what he's doing. And after the church gets filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, gives gifts to the Holy Spirit. So the church is enabled with these things called spiritual gifts, which you talked about last Sunday night and on Thursday night. And I would just go to say this again this week, this Sunday night. There's some of you that have spiritual gifts, you don't even realize it. And God wants to uncover what those gifts are, and he wants to activate you. Because you have a part to play in God's mission here in Barrington. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so that part to play, figuring out that part once you discover your gifts, figuring out your role is figuring out what is my role in the kingdom of God. It's kind of like your own individual journey. Maybe before you became a Christian, you were kind of 
living away from Jesus, living in the kingdom of darkness perhaps. You weren't surrendered to Jesus' will, that's for sure. You weren't doing the things that God would have you to do. But over time, the Holy Spirit got a hold of your heart, and you were convinced that you needed God. You were convinced that God was real. You were convinced that the story about Jesus in the Bible is more than just a good story or a fairy tale. It's actually truth. It actually happened. That Jesus really did die for your sins. He rose again from the dead. And that you come to the point where you're like, I believe Jesus is real. I believe he died for my sins, and I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus. And I'm going to invite Jesus to come into my life. There's a whole bunch of people sitting in this room that have all different stories, but many of you have come to that conclusion. And you put your faith in Jesus, and the moment you put your faith in Christ, you invited Christ to come into your life. And the Holy Spirit came inside of you and lived. The Holy Spirit has made your heart his home. And he lives inside of you, which is an amazing mystery the Spirit talks about. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then as Christ kind of begins to work in your life, you quickly have discovered or discovering that God has actually given you gifts and abilities. And he starts the process of setting apart your life. And you come to the point in your life where you're like, Jesus, like, I believe you are my Savior, But now I want to fully surrender my lifestyle to you. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my king. That's the process that God takes us through. But for a lot of us, that's that's really hard. The idea of surrendering to a king. Letting someone else call the shots of our life. Because I don't know about you, but I I like control. I like calling the shots. I don't like being told what to do. Let's just be honest. Right? How many of you like being told what to do? Two people. We're praying for you, all right? And so I think that for a lot of people, like this first set of people, maybe here tonight you haven't yet surrendered to Jesus. We're glad you're here. But it's hard. This idea of surrendering to Jesus, you're like, maybe you're like, I don't want to give my life up to Jesus because there's stuff in my life I really like to do, and I know that it's going to cost me something. That's why Jesus said, he said, before you, before you make that decision, you're supposed to count the cost. There is a cost involved to follow Jesus. Let's not shy away from that, but it's worth it. So maybe that's you. Maybe you're someone here today, and you've invited Christ to come into your life, But there's clearly stuff in your life where you know is not fully surrendered to Jesus. And God's been gnawing at stuff in your life, and you're like, man, I don't want to give that up. I don't want to surrender that part of my lifestyle. But the Holy Spirit's been working, and so you feel like you and the Holy Spirit, and you're having this, like, battle going on. But you haven't fully let Jesus be king yet. And I think there's maybe a third group of people in this room tonight. Maybe at one point in time, you lived for seasons of your life, and you were just fully yield it to Christ. You were just like, God, anything you want me to do, I'll do it. I'm not going to be perfect because no one will be. But Jesus, you have my whole life. You have it all. And then failure happened. Then hurt happened. Then disappointment happened. Or then family issues blew up. Or maybe you let this sin come into your life and it's kind of taken hold of your life. I don't know what the case is, but sometimes life can happen And it causes us to surrender our allegiance to our king. And so 
some of us are there. And then I, I would say there's a fourth group. Those of us that, when we're singing these songs in this room tonight, we're like, Jesus, like we just sang, Jesus, have your way in me. When we walk out that door, the first thing we're tested with is, Jesus, have your way in me. Right? It's easy to say, Jesus, you call the shots in a worship setting. It's really hard when your five-year-old kid is going AWOL. Let's just be straight up here. So it's that struggle of like, Jesus, are you king of my life? Because I think a lot of people want like a Jesus plus life. Like, I'll live my lifestyle the way that I want, and I'll just add a little bit of Jesus to it. The deal is it doesn't work that way. Jesus wants all of you. And that sounds like a drudgery, but in this sermon, we'll feel a little heavier than normal. But let me just say right at the very beginning here, if, like, if your picture of surrender to Jesus as king is drudgery, you're missing the point. Because surrendering to a very good king and living in his kingdom with all of his blessings and benefits is absolutely incredible. There's no king that can bless us like King Jesus. And so you got to understand that because sometimes people are reluctant to surrender to the king because they feel like maybe he's going to suck all the fun out of my life. Maybe he's going to get me to do things I don't want to do. And that actually is true. It's going to involve serving and sacrificing, but living in the kingdom of God is absolutely incredible. You know, Jesus actually spent a lot of time talking about the kingdom. Just read through the Gospels. He spent a lot of time talking about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is kind of like a vague idea for a lot of us. I was doing Bible study one night, and I was explaining, and people were asking questions about the kingdom of God. And they thought the kingdom of God was like when we die. That's the kingdom of God. That's it. And as I began to explain from the scriptures, and I used things like the Lord's Prayer, and Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on where? Earth as it is in heaven. Right now. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is where? Within you. And so it was this big like, wow, the kingdom is actually right now. We are living in the kingdom of God right now, and Jesus rules the kingdom on his throne right now. And you are invited to be part of the kingdom right now. Jesus and Nicodemus in John chapter 3 had this interaction, and Jesus said to Nicodemus, because he was having a hard time, he said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. In his interaction with Pontius Pilate, Pontius was trying to figure out, are you a king? Like, what's the deal with you? Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world. Pilate says, so you are a king. Jesus says, what you say is true. Jesus was a king. He is a king. And the Bible teaches us that when you become a Christian, when you invite Christ to come into your life, something definitive happens. You actually get transferred from the kingdom of darkness, Colossians chapter 1, into the kingdom of the son he loves. And that son he loves in Colossians is Jesus. Jesus is king, and God exalted him to the highest place in the universe over every power, over every authority. 
Jesus sits on his heavenly throne at the right hand of God, and Jesus rules and reigns the entire universe. And as a matter of fact, Jesus holds everything together. He is the supreme leader. That's my king. And that's your king. That's our king. The problem is we struggle with the willingness to follow his governance. I don't want to create too much tension here tonight. But how many of y'all like following the government all the time? Right? And here's the deal. I think we struggle with following Jesus' governance of our lives. We struggle with letting Jesus call the shots. But the Bible says, Isaiah, who was predicting the coming of Christ, said, the government shall rest upon his shoulders, and indeed it does. He rules the entire universe, guys. Like everything. He is the ultimate supreme king. And yet, we struggle with letting him govern our lives. Like the wind and the waves and the stars in the entire universe follow his command, and yet we're like, no way. It's like, who on earth are we? These little specks of dust in the universe to not follow the governance of King Jesus. Jesus rules the kingdom. And you know what? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John... They were trying to communicate to their audience and convince their audience that this Jesus of Nazareth who performed signs and wonders and all these things, he was the enabled one, the Messiah. But, but most importantly to their audiences, he was trying to convince them of one very key thing. This Jesus whom God sent, who God sent, was actually come to establish his kingdom. That this is how God actually became king. And to the Jewish understanding, a lot of them believed the Messiah was going to come. They actually believed that he was going to be king. But they thought the Jewish king, as we've said in different services before, they thought he was going to come and overthrow the Roman Empire, come in a conquering king. But he didn't come in the way that they expected. And not only did he not come in the way that he expected, they thought they were going to bring the nation of Israel to a place of prosperity, security, and blessing. And I think in the same way today, when we sometimes invite King Jesus into our lives, we've got this prosperity gospel that I think that God's going to bless us with wealth and health and all these really good things. And if, if that's our understanding, if we just invite Jesus to come in just to like give us wealth and health, we have a, a wrong view of who God really is. And hear me out. It's not that God doesn't bless with health and wealth and prosperity and blessing. Well, there's a whole lot of people serving King Jesus that have no physical things to show for it, and they are the most blessed people on earth. And they have more spiritual blessings than you can shake a stick at. That's one of the problems we have here in our culture. We want a God who is just going to bless our lives and make us prosperous. And don't get me wrong. God wants to bless our lives. He wants to prosper us. But I think sometimes we get a little confused about what blessing and prosperity really looks like in God's kingdom. Because sometimes our earthly possessions can actually blind us to the greater blessings Jesus actually wants to give us. Amen? You know, I've always loved the story of the rich young ruler. 
I love the story because of the truth, but it's a tragedy. The story of the rich young ruler is this true story in the scripture where this young man who was wealthy came up to Jesus. And as he came up to Jesus, he had this encounter and he was asking about eternal life. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you know, obey the commands. And the rich young ruler says, I've obeyed all these since my youth. And then Jesus said, you still lack one thing. Go sell everything you have. Give your money to the poor and then come follow me. And the Bible says that the rich young ruler walked away sad because his wealth was many. Here's the deal. Jesus invited this rich young ruler to the opportunity of a lifetime to literally watch Jesus open blind eyes, see sick people healed, and see people receive forgiveness of sin. But the man loved his wealth more than these incredible spiritual blessings that Jesus was inviting him to have a front row seat to see. Do you see it? You see how we can love our earthly resources more than kingdom treasures? But isn't this stuff more important in God's economy, in God's kingdom? Isn't changed lives more important? Isn't people receiving forgiveness of sin and and ministry from the Holy Spirit, isn't that more important than our earthly possessions? And this is the stuff that God wants to shake up and, and, and challenge us with here today. Jesus pointed out the thing in the rich young ruler's life that was going to hinder Jesus from governing his life. And he does the same thing with us. Jesus will unashamedly point out the things in my life and in your life, in our lives, that hinders him from having complete control. So here's the question I want you to think about this tonight. I want you to identify this thing in your head. What's the thing in your life that Jesus doesn't have control over? What's the thing in your life that Jesus doesn't have control over? And are you willing to let Jesus take control of that issue? Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's your business. Maybe it's your bank account. Maybe it's your time. What's controlling your life other than Jesus? If something else is controlling your life other than Jesus, I'm here to tell you it is going to reap horrible consequences. No matter how good you think that thing is, There's only one who can control your life that will lead to blessing, and that is a good God. And his name is Jesus, and he is the king. You see, Jesus came to free us from slavery, from these other things that control our lives. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible teaches us he broke the power of those things that have mastery over you. That's what Romans 6 and 7 is all about. It's about this idea something else is mastering us. God created us to actually have a master. And if we won't let God be our master, someone else or something else will. And those other things aren't good masters. They will reap horrible consequences if we let something other than Jesus be our master. Is Jesus your master tonight? You know, if that's not the case, a great next step for you is just to confess and say, Lord, like, Lord, I confess. There's other things that are in control of my life, and I'm broken. I don't know how to fix it. And you can't fix it, but that's, where, that's, that's those come to Jesus moments. That's the moments where God comes to you and says, I know, and I, but I love you. 
And I have the power to actually free you from that issue that is holding you in bondage. That's the good news of the gospel. The gospel is not just forgiveness of sins. It's the power to be different. We believe that, right, church? We believe that Jesus has the power to make us different, amen? That he's brought us out of darkness into the marvelous light of God. That we can be different by the power of the Holy Spirit. But we have to confess. You know, one thing that the Catholics got right is confession. We think that that's just reserved for something you do in a booth. But you know, the Bible actually commands us to confess. The Bible says in James to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another that we might be healed. When was the last time you confessed to someone else physically, a person, that there's something that's controlling your life? Because if you want to be healed from that thing that's controlling you, the pathway forward according to Scripture is actually to open up with someone who's trusted and saying, listen, I'm struggling. I've got this issue in my life, and will you pray for me? We don't talk a lot about confession because it means being vulnerable and open and honest. But those are the moments we meet with Jesus. And those are the moments where we surrender control and say, Jesus, I'm sorry, like, I need you to be king of my life. Because Jesus does confront our idols. Listen, I do not like conflict. I am not a conflict person that I love to get in rows or fights or anything of that nature. Jesus has a way better backbone than me. And he's got no issue stepping on toes in a gracious and loving way, okay? Because Jesus loves you to pieces, but he loves you so much He's not afraid to, like, confront you on your idols or my idols, just like he did with the rich young ruler. And idols are those things that we put before God. Idols are those things that we give our affection or attention to instead of God. It's those things that we aren't putting God first in our lives. And all over culture, people are lifting up their soul to idols, their mind, their will, and their emotions to these things. But Jesus came to break the power of those. So he maybe is confronting your idols in this place tonight. AJ preached a sermon a few months back, and he said, money's a great tool, but it is a horrible master. So what is, what is, what is mastering you tonight? Have you let Jesus be your master or is something else in control? And you know, Paul talked about the benefits of the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I know this is like a a little bit of a heavier sermon because the Holy Spirit might be working on your heart and showing you things in your life that maybe you need to surrender or relinquish to him. And that's heavy, and that's kind of like the wrestling we do with God. But here's the trade-off. When you surrender to the king and live as a kingdom citizen, God promises to give you righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. How many of you want peace? How many of you want authentic, real joy? How many of you want to feel this sense that I'm right with God and I have peace in my spirit? Like, money can't buy that stuff, can it? No, but living in the kingdom of God gives it. That's what Paul is talking about. 
You know, for a lot of us, though, surrendering to Jesus, it's this progressive journey that we're all on together. John Simons, who was a preacher at Yarmouth Wesleyan, and he preached at West Head for a bit, he used this illustration of a house. And Jesus comes to each one of us. He knocks on the door of our house. And of course, we kind of like, it's Jesus, right? So we let him in, right? We open up the door. Come on in, Jesus. Have some pizza. And so we invite Jesus to come in. We kind of like it because he's like, he's really friendly and he's really loving and he has really nice things to say about us. He's really encouraging. And so, but before too long, Jesus grabs like the dust buster. Starts like vacuuming up stuff, all the crumbs in our coach. Then he goes underneath our kitchen cabinet and, and grabs the old Mr. Clean. And he starts scrubbing around the cabinets and, and scrubbing our floors. We kind of feel a little uncomfortable almost. Then Jesus starts like going into our bedroom. We're like, what are you doing, Lord? And he starts cleaning up, straightening away our bedroom. And then he starts going into that closet, you know, that closet that we don't want anyone else to see. Well, Jesus goes into that closet and he starts cleaning up that closet. And Jesus literally goes through every area of our house and does this process of cleaning out our house and taking in all the skeletons we have in our closet. And then after Jesus has done his cleaning work in our lives, he comes up to us and he asks us for the deed. And he says, I love you, but I want all of you because I have great and awesome and wondrous plans for your life that you have no idea that I have. But in order for you to experience the blessings that I have for you in the kingdom of God, you've got to give it all to me. Have you given your all to Jesus? We got to count the cost. But man, I'm telling you, I urge you with all my heart tonight, church, give your all to Jesus. And it's going to involve serving and sacrificing. It's going to involve suffering. But man, oh man, is it worth it? So have you given your all to him? Because when you give your all to him, he rules. He reigns. And maybe you're here tonight and you've yet to make the decision to accept Jesus into your life. I just want to invite you to, to make that step of faith. Count the cost, but it's worth it. God loves you so much and he wants to use you. It's not too late. He wants to forgive you of your sin. The Bible says if we join God in his suffering, we'll join him in his glory. And yes, God has called us to sacrifice and serve but it leads to blessing in the kingdom of God. We have no idea how blessed we can be if we live under the rule and reign of Jesus. So church, I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet. If you're here tonight and you need prayer, maybe there's something you feel like is controlling your life and you want someone to pray with you tonight, we've got people here that would love to pray with you. Maybe you're here tonight and you want to invite Christ to come into your life. We wanted to give you opportunity to come forward if you want to accept Jesus into your heart tonight. Or whatever you're going through here tonight, we're here for you, church. We love you.
But you know, the best way that we can worship God, the best way we can bless the heart of the Father is actually by giving our lives over to God as a living sacrifice. That's how we worship church. And so as we sing this next song, maybe you need to confess the stuff that's been controlling your life. God is not out to judge you. He loves you. So maybe you need to say, Lord, please forgive me. I've let this thing control my life. I've let it wreak havoc on my mind. God, just would you forgive me? And he will. Maybe that's what you need to come to here in this space tonight. And and, and then after you confess, say, Lord, would you take all of me? Would you take every fiber of my being and help me to live my life fully for you? Maybe tonight is a night of rededication for you where you recommit your life to Christ. But don't be passive. God is calling. Father, we welcome your presence here. God, draw us into that space of humility and confession. In Jesus' name, amen.